Welcome to the Bear Fiction Magazine podcast. I'm Robert Harper, editor of the magazine. This week, Lindsay Waller-Wilkinson reads extracts from her short story Chiaroscuro, which appeared in issue one of the magazine from December 2013. Lindsay writes short stories and poetry, and as well as Bear Fiction magazine, you can find her work in Ink, Sweat and Tears, Notes from the Underground, Here Comes Everyone, and the Wilsdon Herald New Short Stories 8, which is the anthology of shortlisted entrants in their International Short Story Prize from this year, in which you can find Lindsay's story, The Stealing. She is the president of the Leicester Writers' Club, and she is currently working on a linked series of stories and a sequence of sonnets inspired by clothes. The recording you are about to hear was made on December the 19th, 2013, at the Shrewsbury Coffee House during the launch of issue one of Bear Fiction magazine. This is Lindsay Waller-Wilkinson. I'm just going to read a couple of extracts to hopefully give you a feel. And this is how it begins. Audrey is debating whether or not to allow herself a third glass of sherry when she hears a clicking sound coming from the front door. She remembers quite clearly turning the key in the chub and sliding the nub of the security chain along its track after she cleared away her supper. The clicking ceases. All is silent again apart from the slow tick of the grandfather clock. Then she hears a distinct crunch on the gravel that runs along the side of the house. Three thuds echo through the narrow passage, followed by a soft grunt and the slap of shoes hitting paving slabs. Footsteps, measured, slow, perhaps on tiptoe, cross the yard and stop at the back door. Her blood is pulsing now, high in her throat. Should she hide? But where? A sharp crack, something hard metal breaks glass. She breathes in shallow bursts, her mouth dry. Another crack, a snap. Glass rains onto the floor and nerve endings crackle in her armpits. The key turns in the lock. She should have listened to Mary. She digs her nails into her palms and clenches every muscle with the effort of not crying out. Mary told her not to keep the key in the lock, but the thought of not being able to leave in a hurry frightens her. The back door opens, closes. Someone is in the kitchen. A zipper is pulled open, a coat, muffled clunks, a tool bag. The shuffling and tapping on the lino sound like the someone is slipping off their shoes. She holds her breath. The clock portions the silence into seconds and she counts, reaches 12 before the man steps over the threshold. Jesus! Something heavy topples and lands on the carpet with a punctuated chime. Ah, shit! Or maybe on the man. What the fuck? What are you doing in the dark? Scare the shit out of me, you crazy! It's the middle of the night, man, you nuts or something! The man steps back into the kitchen and Audrey presses one fist hard against her teeth. She has lost the ability to speak. Lady, he calls from the kitchen, his voice low but harsh. Did you see me? Of course you effing saw me, didn't you? Did you see my face? Speak, lady, or I'll... I didn't see. I can't. She hopes it won't hurt. Whatever he decides to do, the terror lies in the idea of pain. What? What you saying? His voice is raised now in panic or anger. I, I didn't see your face. I'm blind. And the man is back in the living room. Blind? You sure? Yes, of course I'm sure. He strides over to her and stands very close. She can sense his energy, his lowering bulk. A rush of air makes her flinch and his hands come together. The clap rings in her ear. You sure, lady? If you've taken the piss, I'll... Yes, I'm sure. 
Audrey juts her chin and stares at him with her mind's eye. Of course I'm sure, look at me. You brute, she thinks, you brute. She senses him studying her for some time. Blind her, who'd have thought? He moves around the room, picking things up and putting them down, chuckling to himself. Unreal man, unfucking real. His laughter incenses her. She imagines him touching her things, face severed in two by a grin, for she can tell that he is at ease now. Confidence renewed, comforted that her lack of sight will preclude any form of self-defense. They interact for a bit, and he wants her mobile. She says she hasn't got one. He goes to the loo. She thinks about escape, but the thought of escape for her is actually more terrifying. He says money, and she says, I've got some jewellery. So she tells him that it's in a box behind a painting above her bed. And we learn that this painting holds some value, both sentimental and monetary. Were you born blind, lady? The man is standing in the doorway to her left. No. How's that happen then? An accident. Car? And I'm diabetic. Diabetic. Needles and stuff in it. Injections, insulin every day. He walks in front of her and sighs a thin descending note through his teeth. She recalls that same sound, suffering through a gap-toothed smile. She hears a dull jangle as he sits down. So, you found it, she says. Yeah. She sees coarse hands circling the delicate box, Japanese, elegant cranes and bamboo picked out in gold across its black lacquered surface, inside blood-red velvet, the reward for negotiating the fiddly brass clasps. You sit up in the dark of the night every night. I don't sleep well. You fully dress, man. Don't you go to bed? I thought it was six in the morning, misread the hands of my watch, but it was only half past midnight. You can tell the time. I have a braille watch. Give it here. Audrey nods, lifting her wrist in his direction. He holds her hand in his, delicately, twists and turns it, his fingers brushing against hers. A shiver runs down her spine. Jesus, that's amazing. I'm closing my eyes and I can't feel a thing. Not surprised you got it wrong. I'm normally very good, actually. I just wasn't concentrating. And diabetic, what's it? Makes you blind, yeah? It can do. She sees him sorting gold from silver, holding gems up to the light, pinching an earring or a brooch between thick fingers, the pearl necklace luminous against his skin. Rising over a faint odour of sweat is a sweetness that awakens a memory of nakedness and warmth, smooth beneath her palms. Attempting to place the smell, she can't get beyond coconut, chocolate. She has registered the man's drawn-out vowels, clipped word endings, glottal stops, and wonders if her assumptions are accurate. She thinks of the baby. He would be a young man now, and tries to recall the correct way you should phrase it these days. You're mixed race. Am I a black man? That what you want to know? That's for you to wonder, lady. In your early 20s, you sure got opinions for a blind woman who can't see. She decides she's not far off the mark. He sets down the jewelry box and walks across the room. She wonders what he will do next. Being blind, he says. What's it like then? Dark. Dark as night. I can sense light, especially sunlight, but I can't see it. You afraid of the dark? Not anymore. And she realizes she isn't afraid of this man anymore, senses that he will not hurt her. And them pills, he says, them for diabetics? 
She doesn't understand him for a second, then it dawns on her. Look like paracetamol to me, and there's a whole heap of them. Audrey gives no response. Oh, you're going to top yourself? I don't know, probably not. She sighs, leans back into her chair and closes her eyes. Would she have gone through with it this time? But you were thinking about it. Exhaustion has crept over her and she longs to be in her bed. Why can't he just get on with it and leave her in peace? You remember colour? This question surprises her and she takes a moment to consider it. Yes. In your dreams, can you see? Yes, I suppose I can. I've not really thought about it. You like bright colours then, before you went blind-like? Of course, I loved colour. Ah, that's why you dress so crazy. Pardon? Dress like you're heading for a carnival. I don't know what you mean. I always wear black. All my clothes are black. Who's this belong to you then, lady? She feels a tug to her skirt and her heart lurches in her chest. This, she says, tapping my thigh, it's black. Not from where I'm looking. Jumper, yellow as sunshine, skirt, flowers growing up it like a garden. Blue, red, green, flowers. Her daughter bought her clothes under strict instruction. She'd been buying them for 20 years and knew she always wore black. Are you lying to me? Hey, man, why'd I do that? She touches her sweater, smooths her hands over her thighs and tries to see colour where before she had only imagined its absence. She feels disorientated. And while we're talking, lady, that ain't no painting over the bed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bear Fiction Magazine podcast, recorded on September the 4th, 2014. That was Lindsay Waller-Wilkinson. If you want to have a chance of having your work featured on the Bear Fiction podcast, then join us on September the 24th at the Dog Star in Brixton, London, for our Issue 3 launch event and sign up for an open mic slot. More details on our website. You can subscribe to this free podcast in the iTunes store and via other podcast apps. You can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+, and others by searching for Bear Fiction. Some of the writing from Bear Fiction Magazine is available to read on our website, bearfictionmagazine.co.uk, where print, digital copies and subscriptions are, of course, available to purchase. There's still also time to enter the Bear Fiction Prize with awards for poetry, flash fiction and short story. Top prizes in each category are £500 for the first place. So do visit our competition pages on bearfictionmagazine.co.uk forward slash competitions where you can find out more details. Deadline October 31st, 2014. The music for this podcast was Sidewalk Shade by Kevin MacLeod and is provided under a Creative Commons licence. I'm Robert Harper, editor of the magazine, and you have been listening to the Bear Fiction Magazine podcast. Podcast.